You're tuned to Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. The following program is a rebroadcast of Miracle Hunter with Michael O'Neill. Welcome to The Miracle Hunter, where it doesn't matter if you are a believer or a skeptic, it's always worth the hunt. My name is Michael O'Neill. I am The Miracle Hunter and creator of the website MiracleHunter.com. I'll be your host for the next hour as we continue our weekly exploration of the world of miracles. I'm very excited about today's program. Um, As announced on last week's show and with all the articles abounding over the Internet, Uh, was the news that a miracle uh, was found for Venerable Archbishop Fulton Sheen's beatification cause that has been verified by a panel of medical experts. Today we will be speaking with Monsignor Stanley Petula, who is the executive director of the Archbishop Fulton Sheen Foundation, which is handling Venerable Sheen's cause. So very excited to hear more about that miracle and what the status is of his beatification cause should be a great show. And of course, in just a bit, we'll be asking you a Catholic trivia question, so get your pens and paper ready. Later in the show, we'll be talking about how Our Lady is honored around the world on today, March 17th, in our segment, 365 Days with Mary. More information on this project can be found at 365dayswithmary.com or on Facebook, 365 Days with Mary. Now this week, take note, uh, Radio Maria is doing its Radio Maria-thon. So if you enjoy this program and any of the other Radio Maria programming, I encourage you to consider making a donation. All donations are tax-deductible, so please call 1-888-408-0201 to make your pledge today. Again, that number is 1-888-408-0201. Thank you for your support. This week in Miracle News, uh, we have a strange story out of Belgium this time. Uh, this story is being reported by the international news agency, MENA. Uh, the title of the, of the report coming out is that hundreds are flocking to a glowing Virgin Mary statue. I, I never really know what to make of these sorts of things, but they seem to happen all over the place. At least the reports seem to happen, so it's pretty interesting stuff. Uh, earlier... Uh, in the past week, uh, we had the report that hundreds of people have been flocking to a house in southern Belgium, and they're trying to catch a glimpse of a small statue there of the Virgin Mary, which reportedly glows in the dark. Uh, the, nuclear, the local media are buzzing about this, and uh, they reported that on Wednesday, 500 people started coming to the house of this normally very quiet town of Jalhay to witness what is being referred to as the mysterious glowing virgin. Uh, the police have been uh, required to uh, increase their presence around the area, and they've built a pavilion there so that the owners of the statue uh, have a, a place to retreat to. Uh, now, this, this area is actually the same place as where the witnesses suggest that the statue is letting out a dull glow after dark. 
Uh, the phenomenon was first noticed in mid-January and has gradually attracted larger crowds, and the local media is really revving up around it, reporting uh, that some of those uh, visiting the statue claim to uh, be cured of various conditions. So they're saying it's not only glowing, but also miraculous. The statue, which is about a foot in height, uh, represents Our Lady of Bano, uh from the name of a nearby village where in 1933 uh, there were a young girl was claiming to have apparitions of the Blessed Virgin Mary. For more information on Bano, you can go to MiracleHunter.com, and there's an entire page dedicated to that appearance. The town has uh, become a pilgrim destination since 1933 for uh, many Catholics. Uh, Belgium is a Catholic country. Uh, although Catholic authorities from the Belgian sanctuary are now expressing caution about uh, this glowing Virgin Mary statue. So, of course, the Our Lady of Benoît is an approved apparition, but the Church has not spoken about this <laughs> glowing statue. Uh, the town has um, has really uh, increased its number of pilgrims uh, to the site as a result of this statue. Um, now, one of the quotes coming out was from Father Leo Palm, who was sent there to investigate this statue by the Bishop of Liège, which is also the same uh, bishopric that investigated the Beno apparitions. And he says, It's certain that something is going on, but I can't tell you whether there's a natural or a miraculous explanation. Um, so that's the typical stance that the Church will take. I uh, won't announce anything just yet. Um, the owners of the statue have refused to allow it to be removed for further examinations, saying she's fine where she is. So if anything else develops on that story, we'll be sure to let you know, but visit MiracleHunter.com for more details on that story. To keep up to date with the latest in Miracle News, please visit MiracleHunter.com and sign up for our newsletter. You'll receive a monthly email with the latest Miracle Hunter news, including reports on the latest miracles and news stories, links to past radio episode podcasts, Updates on my television series, Miracle Hunters, now in development, and my book, Hunting for a Miracle, due out in fall 2014, any upcoming speaking engagements, and much, much more. So sign up for the newsletter on MiracleHunter.com by clicking the newsletter link at the bottom of the page. And just a reminder, this week Radio Maria is doing its Radio Maria-thon, uh, so if you enjoy this program or any other Radio Maria programming, I encourage you to consider please making a donation. All donations are tax-deductible. Please call 1-888-408-0201 to make your pledge today. Again, that number is 1-888-408-0201. And now we uh, will look at our question of the week. Uh, we'll turn to our mailbag or the email inbox, as it were, and we have a question from Janet who asks, Dear Miracle Hunter, I have a series of books by Queenship Publishing called I Will Restore You in Faith, in Hope, in Love. There are books, five volumes in all, of messages given to an anonymous visionary. What do you know about the authenticity of these messages? God bless Janet. Well, Janet, thank you very much for your question. Uh, there are plenty of books out there like this. Uh, when you have a visionary or an alleged visionary, Publishing some, publishing some, um, some documents, and or a book about um, 
what will be what will be happening in their lives, and so sometimes it may or may not be true. But in this particular case, the author of these books, Kathleen Beckman, is a Catholic wife and mother of two who writes her own inner reflections and inspirations of the faith. Now, her writings have not received any approval from the Catholic Church and are not considered supernatural in origin. So in general, if they help your life of faith as points of reflection, there's nothing wrong with reading them, but of course they should not be considered supernatural messages or locutions. So thanks again for your question, Janet. I hope that helped. So now it's time for Catholic Pub Trivia. Each week I will be asking a trivia question and giving out a prize for a caller that gets the right answer. This week we'll be giving away a framed image of a piece of artwork titled The Faces of Mary. We've been giving about out this image uh, each of the past few weeks. You can see the image on the website, MiracleHunter.com. It's a photo mosaic of over 100 images of Our Lady that forms a large, beautiful picture of the Madonna and Child. Trivia questions are generously provided by Catholic Pub Trivia. It's an organization that partners with Catholic parishes, schools, or religious organizations to host trivia night fundraisers at local establishment. For more information on Catholic Pub Trivia or to organize an event in your area, please visit catholicpubtrivia.com. And we always try to keep the questions related to the theme of the day's program. And today we'll be talking about the impending beatification of Archbishop Fulton Sheen. So here's a question about American bishops and saints. Who is the only American bishop to be canonized? Again, that question is, who is the only American bishop to be canonized? And for more information on this program or my research on miracles, please visit MiracleHunter.com. And for more information on Catholic Pub Trivia or to organize an event in your area, please visit CatholicPubTrivia.com. We'll start with our 365 Days with Mary segment next. And each week we'll be doing this segment, which is entitled 365 Days with Mary. For each and every day of the year, somewhere in the world there is a Marian title, feast, or commemoration of an apparition or other miraculous event being celebrated. Never ceases to amaze me how much the world loves the Mother of God and commemorates each and every one of her appearances and miracles throughout the world. I've collected all these dates and put them together, the dates of the feast, the dates of the commemorations, and put them together into one resource, 365 Days with Mary. Each entry features images, a description, and history of the feast day, along with information on the shrines associated with them, including visitor information and links for people wishing to see these places. It's a great resource if you're ever on vacation or on a trip, and you're in a certain country and want to visit the Marian Shrine, they're all collected in one spot. This project is available in print in the form of a daily engagement calendar or daily planner, as well as online at 365dayswithmary.com. We're also on Facebook and Twitter, where if you like us, you can automatically receive information about each feast day and learn more about our Blessed Mother and how she is honored around the world. So be sure to like 365 Days with Mary on Facebook, and visit the website 
365daysWithMary.com to see the project. The print version, in the form of a daily organizer, makes a great gift for anyone with a devotion to Our Lady. So if you go on the website MiracleHunter.com or the website 365daysWithMary.com, you'll see that during this week, the majority of the commemorations relate to Russian and Greek icons. So today's commemoration is, uh, the name of it is the Konyeso Suziz Maria, and that's from Hungary, and it's commemorated on March 17th. So after Cromwell's takeover in 1649, Walter Lynch, the Catholic Bishop of Clonfert, Ireland, took the painting of the Comforter of the Afflicted with him into exile. In Vienna, he met the Bishop of Gior, Hungary, who had invited him there. Bishop Lynch served in Gior until his death in 1663. He was buried in the cathedral, and the painting was installed right there. On March 17, 1697, the Irish Madonna began weeping as early Mass in Gior Cathedral, where for three hours, thousands upon thousands of people watched her bloody tears fall on the sleeping child below her praying hands in the image. The weeping continued after the tears were wiped off and the picture removed from its frame. Some people connected this with a law passed later that year in Dublin banning Catholic bishops from Ireland. In 1767, the weeping Virgin Mary was set in a magnificent Baroque altarpiece. It's against the dark background. The Madonna looks down at the baby asleep on a little bed, neatly tucked between two sheets and a red brochade spread with his head on two pillows. His chest and arms are bare. She wears a pinkish-gray veil over her brown hair and a blue mantle with a terracotta robe. You can see, see this picture when you go to 365daysformary.com. And that was today's feast, uh, that of Gior in Hungary, uh, to uh, pick, uh, the comforter of the afflicted there in Hungary. And so be sure to visit the website, 365dayswithmary.com, or on Facebook to find out more about this devotion or any of the hundreds of other Marian devotions celebrated around the world. This is Michael O'Neill, and you are listening to the Radio Maria Miracle Hunter radio show. Uh, we'll be talking next with Monsignor Stanley Deptula, and we'll return after a few moments, and we'll find out more about the venerable Fulton Sheen beatification cause. Thanks so much. Thank you. 
You're tuned to Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. The program you're listening to is a rebroadcast of Miracle Hunter with Michael O'Neill. Joining us today on the program is Monsignor Stanley Deptula, who's the executive director of the Archbishop Fulton Sheen Foundation. Thank you for joining us today on the program, Monsignor. Michael, it's great to be with you. And uh, it's been quite an exciting week, or a couple of weeks, I'm sure, down in Peoria uh, for your office there uh, with this latest miracle being announced and approved by the medical condition at the Vatican. So tell us a little bit about how things have been buzzing down there in Peoria. It it has been a a truly exciting, about 10 days, it was a week ago last Thursday, uh, that we got word that the medical commission that advises the Congregation for the Cause of the Saints, that seven medical experts, seven scientists, have been studying uh, this remarkable case that we sent over to the Vatican for their review, and these medical experts came back with the unanimous conclusion that there's no natural or scientific explanation uh, to explain uh, how this happened. Absolutely. And for, this has been all over the Internet, and, and people have been following it, and on social media people are really uh, excited about this announcement. Can you tell us a little bit about the background to the miracle and, and how that happened? Michael, it's one of the, my favorite stories to retell. It uh, it kind of gives me goosebumps every time I get a chance to to tell this this story because it it is a remarkably extraordinary manifestation of God's grace, uh, which I think is a great definition for for any miracle, whether it's a, a big one or a little one. But this one seems pretty big. Uh, it, the the event happened right here in Central Illinois uh, to a, a very pious Catholic couple, in fact, just outside of the city of Peoria, not too far from where Fulton Sheen. Oh, himself was born in El Paso. Uh, this was the family's, and I, I lose some of the details, but the second or their, their third child, perfectly healthy pregnancy, perfectly uh, healthy labor. It was a home birth, so the midwife was there and a, and a nurse. Uh, and uh, as the baby was being born, apparently the umbilical cord got wrapped around his neck, and so he was born dead. He was stillborn. And for people who know uh, medical terminology, it was a zero APGAR, which is no sign of, of life at birth. Um, so the, the immediately the midwife began to doing everything she could to, to revive this baby. And the mother's first thought at that, at that terrifying moment was to pray to Fulton Sheen. Fulton Sheen, help us. Fulton Sheen, help us. She kept saying over and over the name of Fulton Sheen. The father had an emergency baptism and baptized the baby uh, with the middle name of Fulton. Uh, the other friends that had gathered at the home began praying to Fulton Sheen. Word went out to, to their pious friends to turn to Fulton Sheen. The baby was rushed uh, to the Children's Hospital here in Peoria. Again, the EMTs did everything they could. It's a real blessing here in Peoria. We have one of the very best hospitals in downstate Illinois at St. Francis Medical Center. So with kind of the, the very cutting edge of medical technology, the doctors in the emergency room did everything they could. And after 61 minutes, again, no sign of life, the doctors were about to make that terrible announcement that no parent should ever have to hear they were about to pronounce the baby dead when the baby came back to life. It went from purple to pink, uh, perfectly, healthy, uh, perfectly healthy uh, pulse rate, um, came back to life immediately. Uh, there, were, there were several other than benchmarks even after that uh, to, to, to check on the baby's health. Again, people gathered for holy hours here at St. Mary's Cathedral where Fulton Sheen grew up, his home parish. Uh, and it really seems that after Fulton Sheen's intercession, now we're three years later, the baby is perfectly healthy. A perfectly normal three-year-old, no sign of brain, dam- brain damage whatsoever, uh, is just kind of as bratty, as obnoxious as any <laughs> three-year-old toddler should be. 
That is an amazing story. Um, wow, I've never heard anything quite like that. That's uh, that's uh, an, an impressive miracle for Fulton Sheen. Um, now, can you walk us through a little bit about some of the aspects to a miracle? Uh, I know there's it has to be complete, lasting, and in, instantaneous. Can you can you tell us how this particular uh, miracle qualified in, in those categories? No, that's a great question, and that is that is exactly the whole process that the Vatican is considering right now, and the medical experts are just part of that process, and so the process will continue to unfold. So from a scientific uh, aspect, the doctors examined um, all the, the information we sent over to them from Peoria, and, and so that, that complete uh, and, and lasting, so the, the, the baby was, was dead, and came back to life. So that's why this miracle seems to be so clear, or rather cut and dry in this case. Sure. And, and then the fact uh, that we can have met medical records of the baby's progress over these three years, and again, with, with no sign of brain damage, really normal development that you might expect in, in any three-year-old, with, with all the normal hiccups that any three-year-old might have too, but clearly no lasting ill effect from, from the moment that he was not alive for 61 minutes. Amazing. And I, I think that's, uh, like you say, when it when it's a case of from death to life, that's as clear as day of it being a complete uh, complete healing. That's that's incredible. And uh, let's can you walk us through what happens on the diocesan level when uh, one of these miracles surfaces? How does it go from that first phone call or letter that you get, and how does it end up in the Vatican's uh, medical offices? You know, Michael, it's one of one of my joys as the director of this cause that that uh, every day and literally every day in our office here in Peoria, we get reports of what I like to call little miracles of ways that Fulton Sheen has changed someone's life. That they may have had a a spiritual healing, a spiritual conversion. Uh, he's changed a lot of people's hearts uh, in that sense. We hear stories of, of other prayers answered, people who've been healed from addiction, people who suffered from cancer, who pray to Fulton Sheen and really believe that it was through his intercession that they have found a peace of mind and body. But then every once in a while, uh, a report comes in of something that's more extraordinary. And I hate to talk about a hierarchy of miracles, but there are just those moments where this is worth fully investigating. And so, just as you said, the church begins on the local level. So when we hear of a, of a story, we go back to the diocese in which this, this significant event happened, and we ask that local church to do the full investigation. So, for instance, here in Peoria, once we heard about this event that happened right here in our diocese, just outside the city of Peoria, the bishop assembled a tribunal. So there was kind of the, the chief judge who represented the bishop. There was a devil's advocate, uh, a lawyer appointed to defend the justice of the cause, and then we had our own medical expert, and this whole team on the local level interviewed uh, the parents, all those who were involved in praying uh, to Fulton Sheen. Then we uh, also interviewed all the medical experts who attended, everyone from, from the EMTs, the midwife, to, to the top surgeons at the local hospital who cared for the, the baby in this moment. We compiled, uh, at the conclusion of our investigation, compiled all those documents, sent them over to the Vatican, and then at first there's several canonical reviews just to make sure we've cross all the T's and dotted all the I's, mm -hmm. and then in the Vatican it begins on the level of the medical experts. Uh, next it will progress to a team of theologians, and then finally to a team of cardinals who advise the Pope, and then this will land on the Pope's desk. Incredible. And then with, with the advice of uh, his advisors, he'll be making the final decision. 
the Pope makes the final decision, but obviously he listens very carefully to the to the experts. They kind of, kind of he himself appoints. They they work for him, so he really trusts uh, their judgment. So uh, we hope that this will go along very well and very smoothly. Absolutely, and uh, one one aspect of uh, sort of these miracle investigations used for canonizations and beatification causes uh, that always surprises me, or I think is so impressive, is that um, these miracles have to be uniquely attributed to a singular saint. So people, uh, when they pray for their intercession, uh, they're praying to Fulton Sheen and no one else. Um, I know when I'm in times of trouble, I'm calling on all my friends in heaven, uh, and the ones that I'm really sure are miracle workers, John Paul II and St. Therese and, and all that. It takes an incredible amount of faith to appeal to someone who's not even a saint yet. Can you talk a little bit about uh, that aspect and how the family had a connection with Fulton Sheen in the first place? And I think that's really well said, Michael, because I think that uh, in the Church's process of discerning these eternal truths, I think that is exactly what the Church is looking for, this extraordinary manifestation of God's providence through the intercession of this particular person. I think it is the way that God inspires the Church to declare people blessed and to declare them saints. Again, only, only God works the miracle. But we're asking God then to manifest His will. We, we know Fulton Sheen lived a, a heroically holy life. That's what the Declaration of Venerable was all about. Now we're asking God, by examining this extraordinary event, it, does God want Fulton Sheen beatified and canonized? And, and, and I'm, I'm right with you. I have a whole bunch of friends in heaven <laughs> I turn to on a daily basis, which I think is what makes this particular case... Uh, a real sign of divine inspiration. I cannot imagine, I just can't imagine, uh, being at a stillbirth to, to have a baby born dead and that the mother's first thoughts were Fulton Sheen help us, that she turned that, immediately that alone to Fulton Sheen. That, that alone uh, is miraculous. I, I think that manifests uh, God's providence in this case. And, th- and then the fact that, again, very exclusively, word went out to pray to Fulton Sheen. I think, I think this is how God shows us uh, what he wants done. Absolutely, that's incredible. Now, I've heard a rumor that if indeed he is beatified, which is looking good, um, that the beatification would happen in the Diocese of Peoria. Is that correct? Is that how it's always done? That That is kind of the more ancient custom. You know, many of us have got a, grown accustomed to those wonderful and many years with Blessed, with blessed uh, John Paul II, John Paul the Great, soon to be Saint John Paul the Great, where for his many years, he celebrated almost all of the beatifications himself in the city of Rome, at the Vatican. So we kind of got used to that. But under Pope Benedict, he restored uh, the more traditional practice of celebrating beatifications at the local level, at the, at the local church that, that sponsors the cause, which would be here in Peoria. And then canonizations were reserved for that more universal celebration, when the whole church celebrates the sainthood of a blessed, those are celebrated at the Vatican. And, and so far, Pope Francis has maintained, again, that, that more ancient tradition of a local celebration for beatification. So if this continues to go well, we're really excited to host a beatification here in Peoria. You're all invited. Absolutely. Uh, I'm, I'm located in Chicago, so I will be there if, if in fact, it's in Peoria. Very I'll exciting. save you a seat in the front row, Michael. <laughs> Thanks so much. And uh, now, this... this uh, beatification of Venerable Fulton Sheen appears to be historic uh, for not only because there are so very few American saints, but there are even fewer who are born in the United States. 
uh, and the fact that most are women. Um, is it true that he will, in fact, be the very first American-born male saint? You know, without, without giving a, a spoiler alert to your trivia question, as you pointed out, there is only one uh, American bishop saint who was not born in America. Uh, Fulton Sheen could be the very first American-born, blessed, first American-born male, blessed male saint, and perhaps uh, more significantly, first American-born um, uh, priest or bishop. Now, I, I, I always am hesitant to kind of get into to those battles of, of the first this or the first that, because I, I hate to think there's heavenly competition. But at the same time, I think one of the reasons why we need saints is to inspire those of us who are living, those of us who are still on the journey to becoming saints. And so the idea that we could have a, a native-born priest, in fact, as I sit here in Peoria, in the shadow of Fulton Sheen's parish church, it's inspiring to me uh, to think that, hey, one of my brother Peoria priests, one of my brother priests of the United States, he's made it. It inspires me to want to make it. So I think it, it would be a great thing for the priests and bishops of our country to see Fulton Sheen beatified and canonized. Absolutely. That will be a great inspiration for everyone. And Now, most people know Fulton Sheen from his popular radio and television programs. Can you tell, tell us a little bit more about his background and life? And, and I always like to start where, in fact, his story begins, here in Peoria, because a lot of people that even ask me, even though I've been working with this cause for six years, the cause has been sponsored in Peoria for 12 years, many people still say, but why Peoria? Because this is where the story begins. Uh, he was born 1895 in the city of El Paso, a little town about 40 miles outside of Peoria. His parents moved Fulton and his brothers into the city of Peoria because they so highly valued Catholic school education. They wanted their boys to go to a Catholic school, so they moved to the cathedral parish to go to the Catholic cathedral grade school. I think that's a, a great inspiration for all those parents who continue today heroically to make sacrifices to make sure their children get a good Catholic education. So he grew up here, Catholic cathedral grade school, Catholic high school just down the street. He was an altar server here at the cathedral, was a seminarian for Peoria, was ordained a priest of Peoria, celebrated his first mass here in our cathedral, and then went on for advanced studies. In fact, he got the highest degree the church offers at the Louvain University in Belgium. He was a brilliant man, even from grade school and high school, straight A kind of student. So it really seemed like he was on the track for a brilliant academic career. But after he got his degree, uh, the bishop called him back to be an assistant priest uh, in a poor parish on the south side of Peoria, where he already kind of began working uh, many miracles, just kind of transformed um, the parish with his preaching and his piety. So after even less than a year, the bishop then did release him to go to the Catholic University of America to be a professor of philosophy and religion, where he packed the lecture hall. People just couldn't wait to hear Father Sheen preach. So it, he was recognized immediately as a brilliant communicator, so he would go up to New York a couple times a month to host a radio program, the Catholic Hour, where, again, his brilliant communication skills just sparkled, so that when that cutting-edge technology we call television was being introduced, it just seemed natural that, that um, Monsignor Sheen should become the host of his Catholic program, Life is Worth Living, uh, where, again, immediately... He was a TV superstar. 30 million viewers would, would tune in to watch Bishop Sheen. Catholics, non-Catholics, non-Christians, uh, kind of like the whole country would shut down to watch the bishop 
Uh, yeah, my mother was telling me how fond, what fond memories she has of sitting around the TV with the family and, and tuning in uh, for his program. Even uh, kids too young to understand. Uh, I once was talking to a fellow in New York City who still, to this day, watches Fulton Sheen reruns and listens to his programs. And this fellow was, is a practicing Jew. Uh, so it, but it was something in Fulton Sheen's message that, that really attracted people. They wanted to listen to the message he was sharing. Uh, eventually, he was nominated for several Emmy Awards uh, and won. He went up against uh, Frank Sinatra and Lucille Ball for Outstanding TV Personality and Bishop Sheen won the Emmy. Not bad competition that right there. No, that, that may be a sign. That may be one of the early miracles for his, <laughs> for his canonization right there. So he, he took TV by storm, used every means he could to bring people to the Lord, to spread the gospel. He became a missionary, really, in the strictest sense. He was the director of the, the Church's Missionary Apostolate in the United States as a director for the Society for the Propagation of the Faith. And, and in that capacity, he traveled the world. You know, every dime he made from his media career, he donated to the missions, again, to feed the poor, to bring the good news of Jesus Christ to the corners of the globe. He eventually became the, the Bishop of Rochester, uh, and then he, then he re- retired in 1969, and then spent the last ten years of his life um, preaching priest retreats, parish missions, uh, a special fondness to kind of form seminarians in the faith. And then after some significant illnesses, he died in the Lord, in his private chapel in 1979. What a story. What a life. Um, And I think his story will become even more well-known with his uh, beatification uh, once that happens. That's that's amazing. Uh, He he was a very busy man, and, you know, I often, you know, step back and and think about him because I... (laughs) I complain to the Lord or complain to myself about how busy my life is and how I can never get anything done. And my priorities get out of whack sometimes, but um, I'm always inspired that despite how busy he was being a bishop and uh, a a radio show host, a television show host, he always made time for Eucharistic adoration every single day. Can you talk a little bit about that and what inspired him to have this devotion? Michael Fulton Sheen would work 18 hours a day. He wrote over 66 books, uh, several weekly newspaper columns, television, radio, priest retreats, literally traveled the world, but never, never missed a daily Eucharistic holy hour. I, and I'm with you. I'm a busy priest. I know what being a busy priest is like, busy, busy person in the church. Uh, that, that inspires me. That compels me to remember that first priority is the Lord. And I think that is the secret uh, to Fulton Sheen's eloquence, is the silent hour he spent in adoration. The secret to his energy, he was energized by being quiet and still in the presence of Jesus Christ. Uh, that, that was his hour of power every day. And uh, I, I think I once heard a story of uh, a girl that inspired him regarding uh, Eucharist adoration, adoration. Would you mind sharing that uh, with us today? And, and uh, even Fulton Sheen, some of the historical dates seem to be a, a little confusing, but it, it occurred when he was a, a seminarian, he heard the story of a young girl in China, uh, and the soldiers had come in, the army had come in and, and kind of taken over her town, uh, seized the church, put the priest under house arrest, and had desecrated the tabernacle. They had spilled the host all over the floor. Mm-hmm. And so at night, this young girl would sneak into the church on her hands and knees, and receive one night at a time uh, the sacred host. 
and the priest knew exactly how many hosts were in, in his tabernacle. And he'd watch this girl, again from house arrest, sneak in there every night, until this last night she had gone in, and the priest knew that the last host had been consumed. And as she snuck out of the church, she was discovered, and the soldiers shot her on the spot. She had received no. her viaticum, her last communion. And when Fulton Sheen heard the story of this young girl's love for the Eucharist, if she could love Jesus so much, how could he not spend an hour in prayer every day? And that, that became the hallmark of his own life, and he talked about it a lot. In, in his book, The Priest is Not His Own, which uh, I'm a little biased, being a priest, especially a priest uh-huh. of Peoria, um, he gives, I think it's 15 or 16, maybe even more, reasons why, especially priests, but anyone, why we should make a Eucharistic Holy Hour. It, it, again, it's compelling to me uh, to, to do that. That uh, yeah, that that is inspiring, and and he was the busiest of of busy people. So uh, incredible. And the other aspect of Fulton Sheen that I I personally uh, take away from, and I know many of our listeners on Radio Maria have a strong Marian devotion. Uh, Fulton Sheen had a great Marian devotion. Uh, can you talk a little bit about uh, what are what the role of the Virgin Mary played in his life? One of the things I always like about his Marian devotion is it began before he even knew it. On the day of his baptism, he was baptized at St. Mary's Church in El Paso. His mother consecrated him to the Blessed Mother. And Fulton Sheen did know that as as a child, uh, until he went himself to renew his consecration on the day of his ordination here at St. Mary's Cathedral in Peoria. And it was at that time he made that commitment that every Saturday he would honor the Blessed Virgin by celebrating a Mass in her honor. Uh, Every one of his books he dedicated to the Blessed Mother. He often preached uh, about his own death, and he desired to die either on a Saturday or on a Marian feast day in connection uh, to, to Our Lady. His Episcopal uh, coat of arms comes from a line from, from the Stabat Mater, Grant that it may come to thee through thy mother. He really did uh, live and die uh, a son of the Blessed Mother. Now, you know, he didn't get his, his wish to die on a Marian feast day, because, and I think this is God's sense of humor, he dies between the two great feasts of Our Lady, two great pro-life feasts of Our Lady. Sure. He dies December 9, right between December 8, the Immaculate Conception, and December 12, Our Lady of Guadalupe. Almost as if God were getting ready for a feast day for Fulton Sheen someday. <laughs> so uh, I love the fact that he dies right between those two great feasts. That's incredible. Yeah, no, I like, I like that uh, explanation. That's good. And, uh, well, well, beautiful. And um, now for those people who want to find out more about the status of uh, Venerable Fulton Sheen's cause or to financially support the cause or support with prayers, where can they go to find more information? Well, we are all over Facebook. They can find Fulton Sheen. We have over 200, 205,000 followers on Facebook. Our website is archbishopsheencause.org, archbishopsheencause.org. They can give us a call. We have an 800 number, 877-71-SHEEN. And, and I appreciate that little plug, Michael, because we really do need prayers. Um, the, the, the process for the miracle is not over. We've reached a significant step, but there's more steps to come. I'm always reminded, Bishop Jenke, who is the, the, the official promoter, the official sponsor of the cause, uh, he's always remembering, reminds me, you know, the devil doesn't want this to happen. We must pray. This is a spiritual work. Uh, and, and so to have your listeners, have friends of Fulton Sheen, continue to pray. And that financial generosity helps. There's a lot of work in Rome. All those doctors 
uh, are, are, are deserve to be paid. They can't in lawyers. Just uh, copying and binding, printing all the medical records. Uh, sometimes people wonder, why do you need money uh, for a cause? You know what? It costs money just to buy copy paper. So every little nickel, dime, and every prayer really helps this cause along. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Monsignor, for joining us on today's program and taking time out of your busy schedule. I know you've got a lot going on with, with all the news uh, hitting the airwaves and the Internet. So uh, best of luck. You're in our prayers, and uh, hope to see you in Peoria in, uh, sometime. And truly, God bless you, Mike, with your radio ministry. You are a true son of Fulton Sheen, so keep up the good work. Thank you, Monsignor. And we've been talking today with Monsignor Stanley Deptula, who's the Executive Director of the Archbishop Fulton John Sheen Foundation. You can find out more information about the status of Archbishop Sheen's cause at archbishopsheencause.org. And you've been listening to the Miracle Hunter Radio Show. For more information on this program or more information on miracles, please visit miraclehunter.com. This week... Radio Maria is doing its Radio Maria-thon. If you enjoy this program or others of Radio Maria's programming, I encourage you to consider to make a donation. All donations are tax-deductible. Please call 1-888-408-0201 to make your pledge today. Again, that number is 1-888-408-0201. And before the end of the show, we'll circle back and give the answer to our Catholic Pub Trivia question announced earlier in the show. And the question was, who is the only American bishop to be canonized? And the answer is John Newman. John Newman was a native of Bohemia who emigrated to the United States where he became a Catholic priest. Uh, he was a redemptorist priest, and he became the fourth bishop of Philadelphia where he served from 1852 to 1860. He is the very first American bishop to be canonized. And while he was the bishop of Philadelphia, Newman founded the first diocesan school system in the United States. And that's all the time we have for today. I'd like to thank our guest, Monsignor Stanley Deptula, Executive Director of the Archbishop Fulton John Sheen Foundation, for joining us today on the program. And coming up on March 29th, I'll be giving a talk at a Totally Yours conference in Rolling Meadows, Illinois. I'll be discussing how Medjugorje is similar to and different from other apparitions throughout history. For information on attending this conference, please visit MiracleHunter.com or TotallyYours.org. Next week, we will have a very special episode uh, for the March 25th 30th anniversary of the great miracle in Batania, Venezuela. We'll be talking with Spirit Daily's Michael H. Brown, as well as Father Timothy Byerly, the postulator for the beatification cause of mystic and approved visionary Maria Esperanza. This one you will not want to miss. Be sure to visit MiracleHunter.com as your resource for miracles, and keep up to date with how Our Lady is honored around the world at 365dayswithmary.com. Thank you for joining me today on Miracle Hunter, where it doesn't matter if you are a believer or a skeptic, it's always worth the hunt.
You're tuned to Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. The program you just heard was a rebroadcast of Miracle Hunter with Michael O'Neill.